History tells the story of the world and of our lives. Sometimes that history goes bump in the night. Broadcasting from the center of oddity and the supernatural in Central Florida, it's the History Goes Bump podcast. Hello, you spectacular people. Welcome to this 338th episode of the History Ghost Bump podcast, Ghost Tours for the Theater of the Mind. I am your host, Diane. And this is Kelly. Hey, Kelly, today we are going down to Australia. Awesome. And we don't have to make that, what is it, 24-hour flight <laughs> to get there? The one that you'd have to be drugged up to get on. Yeah, to get me on a plane that long. Maybe it'll happen someday. Our location was suggested by our listener, Jenny Watt, who also is an executive producer. And this is Old Talem Town. This is one of those old abandoned pioneer towns, Kelly, but it isn't actually a real town. It's man-made. I saw that. It's really interesting. It's full of haunts. It so is. it's right up our alley. But before we get into that, we want to welcome into the Spooktacular crew, Carrie with a K and an I, BJ, Aaron with an E, Kathy with a C, Michael, Zach, and Chad. Welcome to the crew, everybody. And now, this moment, Naudity. The moment in Oddity was suggested by Janae McCabe. Buddhism is a religion that has been practiced all over the world for centuries. It is based on the teachings of Buddha, who was actually a man born into royalty and wealth. He went off to find the meaning of life and ended up renouncing his former life and becoming a poor monk. To honor Buddha, many statues have been made and placed at various sites. Some are large and others are tiny. One of the largest is a nine-foot-tall, five-and-a-half-ton statue known as the Phra Fata Maha Sawani Patimakan. And that was a mouthful. I apologize if I mispronounced. <laughs> Today it sits on an altar at the temple of Wat Trimit, Bangkok, Thailand. Scholars believe it was made in India and features an egg-shaped head that is a style from the 13th and 14th century and has long earlobes representing his royal birth. A flame at the top of its head represents spiritual energy. For many years before arriving at this temple, the statue, which was covered in stucco, sat outside underneath a tin roof. In 1955, it was decided to move the Buddha inside of a new building in Bangkok. Unfortunately, during the process, the Buddha was dropped, and that is when an amazing discovery took place. The Buddha was not made from stucco. The stucco had been placed on the exterior probably to hide what the Buddha was actually crafted from, and that was 18 karat solid gold. This all happened near the 2,500 year anniversary of Buddha's death, and followers believe this was a miracle. Miracle or not, finding solid gold hidden beneath a stucco exterior certainly is odd. You're not afraid of a little ghost, are you? And now, this month in history. In the month 
month of May on the 16th in 1900, Maeve King was relieved. The siege of Maeve King started in October of 1899 and lasted for 217 days. Maeve King was a town in South Africa and this battle took place during the Second Boer War. The Second Boer War was fought between the British Empire and the independent Boer states of the South African Republic and the Orange Free State. They wanted to break free of British influence in South Africa. The real fight was over diamonds and gold found in the Boer states. The son of the British Prime Minister was in town during the siege, which made it even more prominent. The British commander was Colonel Robert Baden-Powell, whom everybody referred to as BP, and he had 2,000 men under him. The Boers had the upper hand and cut off the railway lines into the town. They hoped to starve out the British troops and the 7,500 black Africans in the town. Many of the Africans tried to flee, but they were either shot or captured and flogged and sent back. By the beginning of May, word was received that a British flying column would be coming. The Boers made a final push to take the town on May 12th, led by Officer Sorel Eloff. He pushed in, but had some of his men retreat, whom he shot. He was overtaken and surrendered, and remarkably, Colonel BP invited Eloff to dinner. The British relief arrived on May 16th, and the siege was ended. The British had been having a tough time during the Boer War, and this lifted the spirits of the British, and Colonel BP was declared a hero. South Australia is said to be the most haunted state in Australia, and within that state is said to be one of the most haunted locations, Old Talem Town Pioneer Village. This is a unique man-made village in Talem Bend that is a compilation of buildings, old cars, antiques, and artifacts. There is so much history reflected in these elements, but there is something else as well. Spiritual energy radiates from the buildings and many visitors have stories of unexplained experiences. Add to this that this is a favorite spot for paranormal investigators, and it's not hard to believe that there may be hauntings going on here. Join us as we explore the history and hauntings of Old Talem Town. South Australia wasn't colonized until 1836, and when it was founded, it was the first area not settled as a penal colony. So that makes it really unique, Kelly, because as is. we know, the history of Australia is basically these prisoners were taken from Great Britain down to Australia and told, hey, have at it. You're going to build exactly. a, a country down here. Right. And so there's a lot of criminals are, you know, what makes up the basis of Australia, at least the people who came in. We know there was already Aboriginal people there. Right. And so this one's very unique in the fact that it was a free state. We featured Kangaroo Island on a previous episode, and this was the first area in South Australia settled by Europeans, and it was the Dutch who first mapped the coastal area. But indigenous people had been here for over 20,000 years. So again, we have another place that was discovered by white man. <laughs> As it always occurs, that's how it's repeated through history, it seems like. The Korna people were here when the settlers came. They had called this Tarndanyanga, which means place of the red kangaroo. Thelem Bend is about an hour east of Adelaide and is thought to have gotten its name from the Garangeri word Thelem, which means bend. Donald Gollan was one of the first settlers here and he had named his property Thelem, probably inspired by the Aboriginal word. So they're not exactly sure. Is it a word from the indigenous people? Is it a word from him? Did he take the word from the indigenous people? But anyway, this town came to be called Thelem Bend and this is where Old Thelem Town is located. 
It grew once the South Line Railway was laid through the area in 1886. It was incorporated in 1887. This became a heavily agricultural area, and it would be here that the Old Talem Town Pioneer Village would be set up. Old Talem Town is Australia's largest pioneer village and was founded in 1982. Now you might be wondering how a village could be described as pioneer when it was founded fairly recently. That would be because many of the 116 buildings here date back to pioneer times. And the town is supposed to reflect life in the mid-1800s through the mid-1900s. This really does have an old feel with dirt streets and posts for tying off your horse. Similar to Old Town Spring in Texas that we featured in episode 254, these buildings were moved to this one location from many different places. A man named Peter Squires wanted to build a ghost town, but he wanted it to be authentic with real old buildings. Many of these buildings are over 100 years old, with the oldest dating back to 1895, and they're filled with antiques. Many people claim that they are full of ghosts as well. There are stories of people being touched by things that they cannot see, and sometimes people do see these things and they appear as shadow figures. As if spirits don't make things creepy enough, these buildings are full of mannequins, too. <laughs> I already, choice, I guess. <laughs> I already don't like mannequins, and that was even before people, when it came to true crime, would see dead bodies on the road and think they were mannequins. Diane would be walking through Sears and go, ah! I mean, I hated <laughs> it, especially the ones that had, like, no features. Right. Oh. Creepy. So now this place is full of them, and it's not just that they're mannequins. Some of them are falling apart. Their eyes aren't in their heads anymore, so it's just bad. They're painted weird. We should also point out that since we like to start by researching the actual land, that there were seven deaths on the property before it became the Pioneer Village. So one of the issues that we're going to have with something like this and why I sometimes put these off for a while is because we have no idea about the history of the buildings. I don't know where he got them from, who lived in them before. And then, like we said, we always like to start with the land because a lot of the time that's where the hauntings come from. People move into a new home and think, hey, I'm free and clear, like we think we're free and clear here. (laughs) But lately, we've had a lot of experiences with the dogs acting weird that I'm wondering if we have something (laughs) attached to something in this house because they act really weird sometimes. Possibly. We've brought in a few items from outside the home. Yeah. So (laughs) I don't know. Whatever it is, it's not interacting with us. It's interacting with them. But what we found is that there were deaths on this property, and I don't even know everything about those. I know about a couple of them. A lot of what we're going to put out here is, I don't really know, but here's what we've heard. And I want to tip my hat to Adelaide's Haunted Horizon. This is the ghost tour, if you're in Adelaide, to take. And they not only do stuff in Adelaide, but they take people over to Old Talem Town, and they are the tour guides for this place, too. You can go there during the day and do your own self-guided thing, but if you want to get in there at night and do a tour or do an investigation, that's who you're going to go with. And I watched a million, not quite a million, but a lot of their videos. I told you a thousand times, <laughs> never to exaggerate. So that's where we're going to get a lot of this information. So I want to make sure that I give them a tip of the hat. Yeah, major props to them. They did a great job in everything that I watched. Yeah, so I would say that they are the experts on this place. Also, I don't know how many of you follow Amy's Crypt, but she goes to all kinds of abandoned places, haunted places all around the world and makes videos and such. And so I also watched the couple of videos that she did here, and we'll be talking about that as well. So both of those want to give them a tip of the hat for some of the information that we have here. 
So the first place we're going to start with is the Wonderview Theater. Now, we have heard it's haunted, but I don't have any specific stories about it. None of these videos that I watched had anybody having any experiences in there. But I love old theaters, and it's really cool to kind of talk about them. Of course. So this is a cinema that Peter found somewhere. And what he would do is take these apart, board by board, travel them back over here to Talem Bend, and put them back together. Now, he's in his, I think, late 80s, maybe even early 90s now. So he wasn't a real young guy either when he started doing this. Well, what I saw of him, he is quite spry and active all over the town. (laughs) And he was really cute because the one guy, this was just somebody's personal video that they had made. And he came walking over and was on the camera was like, well, you just got here. You haven't seen anything yet. Talk to me when you've looked at everything. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, and he was just running around doing his chores. Yeah, it was very fun. And I've heard that some people will dress up in some period type clothing to kind of fit in there. So I don't know if they have some quote unquote volunteers that hang out dressed up. That that would be cool. So the Wonderview is the name of the old cinema in the town. It's built from yellow clapboard with a corrugated tin roof. And it's important to point out this distinction because the corrugated tin roof is an Australian icon. This is the number one indicator that you are looking at an Australian home or building, minus the whole actual being an Australia thing. I mean, obviously, Kelly, if you're in Australia, you know you're (laughs) looking at an Australian home. And well, you know, we need to dive down that rabbit hole. So come with me. You jump first. Hello? Hello? Yes, I'm down here in the rabbit hole and I've brought you with me. The corrugated metal roof was invented by British architect and engineer Henry Palmer. This material was made from hot-dipped galvanized iron that was then cold-rolled to make the grooves. This gave the material more strength and obviously helps protect against wet weather as the water rolls off of it. It wouldn't be until the 1880s that Australia would start using it in home construction. Corrugated metal was easy, fast, and cheap to fabricate, and it resisted corrosion. The tin roof is said to be, quote, the building material that made the bush. And now let's crawl out of the hole and check out this theater. This is a small theater with seating for maybe, I counted about 50 seats. It has an old film projector and a fairly small screen at the front, but it all works because they actually were showing movies in there when I was watching. I would say the size of the screen is about what we would have on some of our big screen smart televisions in our homes. Oh, wow. (laughs) To kind of give you an idea of how big it was. Next, we're going to discuss the Bent Elbow Hotel. The Bent Elbow Hotel not only has a corrugated roof, but the outer walls are also covered in corrugated tin. This was originally a personal home that was fairly large. The bathroom has old fixtures and a bare clawed tub. There is a bar set up inside and several dining areas. Allison Oborn, who is the tour guide and creator of Adelaide Haunted Horizons, has done some mirror scrying in this location. And she said one time she was in here investigating with a girl. And when she looked in the mirror, she saw a man that she described as having high cheekbones, a mustache, and a part down the middle of his hair. She was so scared by seeing this face covering over her own reflection that she ran out of the hotel crying. Three weeks later, another group was investigating the Emporium, and they saw a man look in the window that matched the description of this man perfectly. No one had told them of the mirror incident before that. The Emporium is right next door to the hotel. Children have been heard laughing in here, as well as the sound of disembodied footsteps. And for people who don't know, mirror scrying is basically what you're going to do is sit in front of a mirror. And rather than saying Bloody Mary three times, you're just focusing on your reflection and kind of, I don't know, blurring out your eyes a little bit. So you're not quite focused on your face anymore. 
And so she just kept looking into this mirror and this is what she saw. Now, I watched a video that Amy's crypt had made and her partner, who's named Jared, was trying the same thing. And he said he had the same kind of experience where he saw this male face over his. But I don't give that a lot of credence when you already know the story kind of thing. But this is a woman who was just on a tour sitting in front of the mirror. And all of a sudden she got up crying and ran out. And Allison's like, what's wrong? What's wrong? And she told her about this. And then interestingly enough, the actual apparition shows up looking inside a window from outside. This yeah, is a at, lot of validation there. Yeah, and this is at the place that's right next door. Makes you think maybe she really did see something. They have a school here, of course. It doesn't look anything like you would think a, an old schoolhouse would look like. It's just another one of these buildings. A lot of these buildings all look very similar, and almost all of them are made out of this corrugated metal on the outside. And what was that one place that we were watching? They had the corrugated tin roof on top, but then they had some other kind of material that was dipped down underneath the roof right i'm trying to remember what it was called it i can't remember either it was essentially uh, it looked like maybe a a leather or something some type of sewable material that was pieced together it was stitched together and i believe it was filled with something between that piece of material and the actual tin roof and they said it helped insulate keep it cool and stuff yeah Yeah. because as you can imagine a tin roof it's going to radiate heat the school is fairly small as well and it has these individual desks in it Adelaide Haunted Horizons decided to do an experiment in here, and apparently they've done it quite a few times. This is something they like to go in there. And what they do is they have the people that are on the tour all sit in their individual desks like their students. They ask for a volunteer, and this is going to be the person who's going to get caned (laughs) when they ask a question and don't get a right answer. (laughs) They turn on the spirit box, and then they'll ask a mathematical question, a some other kind of question like the capital of some place or letters of the alphabet, that kind of thing. And they literally have a short, it's about, I'd say a foot and a half long cane, which would be like a nun running around with a ruler, slapping your hands and the person would put their hand out and they would smack it. Now they weren't beating them, obviously, but I'm but sure it was a, a little bit of a smack. <laughs> <laughs> so we watched a couple videos of this and I actually have a link to the best video that they had Because as you know, we've discussed the spirit box several times, Kelly, and both you and I are not huge fans of it, not only because it's a very irritating kind of noise, but we don't necessarily trust everything you get from it. But when we watch this video that I have a link in the show notes to, it was like, whoa, okay, so the spirit box may be giving you some real stuff here and there. Yeah, definitely. I mean, the words coming through, the numbers and so forth were very clear. Yeah, so what happened is in this video that I posted here, you've got Allison and another one of the guides. His name is Ash, and they're playing the teachers, and they're holding the cane, and they decided to start with some mathematical questions. They asked what one plus one equaled, and the spirit box said five. So you could see the guests going, (laughs) oh, no, why did you say five? They got a little swat on their hand. This was a guy, so he got a swat on his hand. He's like, ow. So then they asked what two plus two was. Yeah, I don't think it was ow. I think he swore. I think he did too. (laughs) And the box, clear as day, says four. It sure did. Then they asked three plus three. And you hear it clear as day, say six. Now, I couldn't tell what age the voice was. It sounded young to me. It did sound young to me too. Then they tried four plus four. This one took a little bit. And the guy kept sitting there going, come on, you got to answer. They're going to cane me. Give them an answer. What's four plus four? But clear as day, the box says eight. Then they switched to the alphabet and asked for the fourth letter of the alphabet. And again, very clearly, the answer was D. Yeah, it was pretty incredible. It was very, very, I was just like, 
whoa. And this is not stuff that they show on regular TV. You know, this is the stuff that should be on TV because that to me is legit because you have a guy who's sitting there. He's just a guest on a tour, so he's not playing anything. And he's sitting there going, come on, get the answer, get the answer. I don't want to get caned again. You might get numbers that come through because they say numbers on the spirit box, the radio all the time. But these are actually the correct answers. Now, one plus one getting five, I could sit there and go, well, maybe... I think they were just messing around to see if he would actually yeah. get gained. Well, and, but I mean, you could say, you could reason out, it was just a number coming across the radio. Sure. And so it could happen. But when you're getting right answers, that really makes me sit there and go, okay, this is not only an intelligent spirit that is answering a question, but it's intelligent to the point where it's actually adding the numbers and getting the correct answer. Exactly. And then same thing with getting the fourth letter of the alphabet. You got to sit there and think about it and you're getting a correct answer. So this to me was amazing. So if you want to watch a really cool video, again, I have that linked up in the show notes. Next, we're checking out Bell's Emporium. This place is creepy as heck, just full of old things and lots of mannequins. As a matter of fact, Allison claimed that she has had mannequins thrown at her when she's in the building. She told Amy's crypt that it's her least favorite building on the property. She dislikes going inside to investigate. The Emporium is not just one long store brought from another property. It is actually three separate homes that Peter knocked the walls out of and put together. So they now make one long store. Allison believes that the hauntings going on with the Emporium are actually connected to one of the homes and not the property. That energy is negative and seems to have an abusive quality to it with the male spirit haunting the building and not liking women. Amy set up three EMF detectors in here, and the middle lit up to red when she asked the spirit to light it up to red. It continued to go off several times, lighting up to red. Later, you could hear footsteps in a further room. You could hear them several times, and then there were many loud bangs and some tapping. Of course, there could have been an animal or something making those noises, but the footsteps were intriguing. And I like the investigation technique, not only of Amy, of Amy's crypt, but also Allison, because they immediately tried to debunk what they were hearing and were like, right. Allison was asking if it was one of their other tour guides that they had around and there was like nobody back there. She would go and check and wouldn't see anybody. So it's not like somebody was playing around and, and walking through the Emporium. And this place, like we said, it is creepy because it, it literally is full of mannequins I know. everywhere. <laughs> And these are ones that are falling apart. And uh, one of them is dressed in a a wedding gown. So you've got your lady in white hanging out there. But of course. So these are places that I'd be like, no, we ain't turning out the lights. I want a light on when we're walking around in here investigating. (laughs) It would be really hard too, because you could just turn around and be like, oh my God, is that a shadow figure? And then it's like, oh no, it's just a mannequin throwing a shadow or something. So to me, it would be a little bit harder to investigate without having the lights on. And then we come to what probably is the most haunted location in the town. And wouldn't you know, it's a church. Of course it is. Yeah. (laughs) People are always like, how could a church be haunted? Well, sometimes. The advertiser ran an article featuring an interview with Allison. And she had told them once when they were investigating Old Talem Town, she'd seen a shadowy figure inside the church at the Pioneer Village. And she saw a full-bodied apparition while giving a tour. The spirit came in through one of the doors and she watched it walk through the church. On another tour, she had a woman take on the persona of a small child. So she didn't tell that woman to do that. The woman actually started talking like she was a little child. Allison decided to do some research on the property and she found out that a small child about the age of five did drown on the property in 1919. Could this have been the child that this woman seemed to be possessed by? 
On another occasion, guests saw the figure of a small child standing in one of the doorways, and Allison and her group have taken to calling him Ian. I don't know why. I don't know if maybe his name came across on a spirit box session or something, but or if when she was doing her research, records, yeah. she saw that his name was Ian, but that's what she calls him. This church is the Wolseley Methodist Church that was established in 1900. The inside is not very big, and there are two rooms. There is the main sanctuary and then a back storage room. The pews are simple wooden slat pews, and there is a small table that serves as an altar and a pulpit with a male mannequin standing in it. Again, why <laughs> do we have to have the mannequin in it? One issue that might be contributing to the hauntings here is that there's a cemetery next to the church, but it isn't real, meaning no bodies are buried here. But the headstones are real, and they were moved from their former burials. Yeah, so I think there were places that were taking over a cemetery. I don't know if bodies were moved, but the headstones were not going to be moved or something. And that's why Peter brought them over to here. So you're going to have the issue of was the spirit that was attached to that body attached to the tombstone came with it? Are they upset that things aren't together? Right. Are they I don't know. <laughs> now, we did watch another video that said that there were people who had been buried there, but that was the only time I'd ever heard that. And... I'm thinking that it's not a real cemetery. That was the only time I heard that. So I don't think it is. Sure. Yeah. More of the research leads to just the tombstones having been moved. So that's most likely what's true. Yeah. And normally you think if they're going to just set up a cemetery next to the church, they would have fabricated some. But <laughs> I mean, these think. are real tombstones and you don't really you can't fabricate those because that would be too expensive. So a local news station went on the tour one evening with a group and captured some interesting things on camera while in the church. Allison told the group that people have seen a male apparition in the church. Either this spirit or someone else messed with a couple people in the group. One was a woman with long blonde hair. You could see as you're watching the video that she's getting visibly uncomfortable, almost like when you have a fly buzzing around you and you're kind of like, eh. right. And I've had this experience where Tammy, one of our listeners, people are very familiar with her, sitting in front of me in a church in a pew and watching as something buzzed into her ear and she's like swatting at her ear. And I'm like, what's going on? So it was kind of similar to watching Tammy in front of me. And you can tell there's just something that's making her uncomfortable. And then she finally says, something is messing with my hair. And you know that feeling. I certainly do. Her boyfriend, who was sitting next to her, put his arm around her shoulders. You know, he's trying to comfort her, make her feel safer, sure. more careful. And then there's this bang. And the boyfriend moves his arm quickly as though something hit it or the chair behind them. So it's, it's like he's got his arm around her shoulder. And then all of a sudden you see them both kind of jump. You hear a bang and his arm is like, oh my and gosh. it's like, ah, uh, uh, like something had hit them. Wow. So it's like, what was something that had force to it to do that? It was almost like he was upset that the boyfriend had put his arm around Clearly. his girlfriend's shoulders or something. A little after that, another guy in the group had something grab at his arm and he jumped back and said that he felt something very cold touching his arm forcibly. This guy had been a skeptic. So he goes out and starts talking to the local news station. He's like, I don't believe in any of this stuff. But he goes, after what I just had happen to me in there, I think I'm starting to believe. Because he goes, something Very cool. grabbed me. It was cold. I don't know what it was. But he wasn't <laughs> a skeptic after that. Amy's crypt set up some tools in the church during her investigation. One of them is a music box that gets triggered in a similar way as a REM pod. And Amy describes it as being a motion sensor. This is a really cool thing. I would love to get it. They call it like a paranormal music box. And mm -hmm. it does. It has that little beam in front of it. Mm -hmm. So that if anything passes through that beam, the music box kicks on and starts playing. Very cool. The music box began to play and light up. She asked the spirit to step away from it. And about 30 seconds after that, it stopped for a moment. 
and their obelisk said the word students. The schoolhouse is right next to the church. Then the music box started up again, but it played in a stuttered kind of way, turning off and on repeatedly. For the music box to stutter in this way, it means that something's stepping in front of it and then back or crossing back and forth repeatedly. We envision a ghost being fascinated by this gadget and playing with it. Maybe a child? Or you and I, you know, pulling pranks with these people. Certainly. Or never seeing, because <laughs> this is a gadget that I'd never seen Brand used new. before. Yeah. So you could just see like somebody stepping in front and going, oh, it plays when I do that. And then ding, 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 not even paying attention to the investigators <laughs> right. just going, oh, that's kind of cool. <laughs> we definitely need to get one. Yeah. Especially since we seem to attract child spirits. The group also had a REM pod that started going off after the music box. The obelisk also said the word pray, which seems relevant since this is a church. They placed a flashlight on the altar and it lit up about halfway through their investigation and stayed lit. The thing that was unusual about that is usually when you put a flashlight up and you're wanting it to turn on, you're asking them to turn it on and they turn it on. But this just kind of came on on its own out of the blue and then it just stayed lit up. There were some knockings and tappings, too. One thing we definitely noticed was that the spirit or spirits were not what we would call interactive. They never responded to requests. Yeah, so anytime she'd say, would you like this up? Would you like that up? It was like, that's why I said it's almost like this ghost wasn't paying any attention to them. Right. It would have to be intelligent to be going, okay, I'm making the motion sensor go off. But it's like he didn't even care what they were asking him or her to do. It was like, I'm doing my own thing. I'm going to turn on the <laughs> well, flashlight I when imagine. I want to. No, I'm not going to turn it off when you ask me to. No, I'm not going to step back over to the REM pod when you ask me to set it off again. I'm not going to turn your EMFs on and off or whatever. Because she constantly was asking it to do things and there was nothing that well, was going with what she was just asking. Been over it. I like it when that happens, though, too, because that shows you, again, it makes me a little bit more of a believer because I'm like, if somebody wants to make a video that says, wow, look at what's going on here. We've got all this stuff going on. You're going to want it to be responding to you because that that's like, look, it's doing things on command. Isn't that cool? When it's doing its own thing, it'd be kind of like if you're doing a movie and the actors and actresses just start doing improv and <laughs> doing their own thing. Right. You'd probably be really frustrated. So I would think most people, when you're making something you want to put out to the world, it behooves you to have them actually, yeah, I'll turn the flashlight on when you want me to and turn it off when you want me to. I know based on personal experience, it's cooler when they do it when you ask them well, to do that. definitely. But I can imagine also having tours come through all the time yeah. that I might get a little fed up. Yeah, I like them having their own <laughs> autonomy and going, no, I'm not going to. I watched another video recorded about eight years ago during a ghost tour that Allison was leading. She was telling the group about a weird ball of light that had appeared and moved about the church. All of a sudden, there was a tiny light anomaly that appeared to be floating around Allison's head. It wasn't the kind of light that a flashlight would throw. It was misshapen and had this luminescent look to it. It lasted for maybe 10, 15 seconds, something like that. But it wasn't like somebody putting a flashlight up there and it was right. doing something Very on her interesting. face. Another video made during a tour has several of the guests saying that they're feeling cold spots and then everyone gasps and jumps and looks to the back of the church, indicating to us who are watching that they're having a shared audible experience. So I thought that that was really cool because you're just seeing these people all looking up front while she's talking to them. And then all of a sudden they all go <gasps> and look back behind them. Yeah, and... yeah, that's always interesting. It, it gives quite a bit more validation. And what had gotten their attention is that it sounded like somebody was coming into the church, but it was a kind of a banging way. It's not just hearing the click of a door or something. It happens again a few minutes later, and it definitely sounds like somebody is opening the door, but in a very loud kind of fashion, enough that it would startle people who are focused on what they're doing. 
there was another like an assistant guide or whatever. And she went back there both times and looked out the door to see, is there anybody out here fooling around or anything like that? And there was nobody there. The also fun thing was that there were three people who were sitting in the front pew. And I noticed the guy on the one end, he got up and he start he goes to the aisle and starts pushing the guy that's on the aisle. You know, you, you move over. And then the girl that was sitting next to him is like, no, I don't want to move over too. So the three of them are practically sitting on top, on of, top each of each other. other. Near the aisle, because the one guy, something must have spooked him. Yeah, definitely. He moved up there. Nobody talks about what's going on, but I'm just watching the video going, something's going on with that guy. Right. He doesn't want to be over there. And she's like, no, I'm not going over there either. I'm not scooting. Someone also felt their hand being touched. And then during another tour, a man in one of the pews is filmed jumping as though startled. And when asked what happens, he claims that something hit his hand so that it bounced off the pew in front of him. And when they replayed the tape... You could definitely see that his hand, it's just kind of dangling there. And all of a sudden it flings forward really fast. (laughs) And he seems to be legitimately startled. Like somebody took his hand and just moved it forward and banged the pew. So first of all, it would kind of hurt. Yeah. He was a guy that, I don't know how I would describe him, but you know, like your your typical father who I don't want to do this, but the family wants to do it kind of thing. That's what he looked like to yeah. me. So this is probably a guy who wasn't really into this thing. And all of a sudden he's like, what the? You, you just hear this bang and see him moving around. And it's like, what's going on? Yeah. Yeah. And he then, probably, <laughs> they were probably picking on him a little bit. The it spirits. could be. <laughs> he probably rolled his eyes a few times. And they're like, I'll show you. There are many other buildings here from a blacksmith shop to an auto repair shop to a bank to an undertaker and other outbuildings. Not many of these buildings have haunts connected to them. There are spirits that seem to roam the streets all over, like one that people have taken to calling Ted. There are incidents that happen on the streets, too, like a tour guest who is scratched on the neck, leaving behind visible marks. And I'm wondering if Ted is the guy who has the high cheekbones? Possibly. Deanna Turner-Reed tells of her experience at Old Talem Town on the Adelaide Haunted Horizon website. During our visit to Talem Town on Saturday night, hosted by the fabulous team from Adelaide's Haunted Horizons, My partner and I split from the main group and went with Anna to start investigating the church. Not too long after we started, my partner Adam had the sensation that his airways were being cut off. He started coughing and his voice went scratchy. The feeling soon subsided and we continued on our investigation. A little time later, Anna and I both saw a dark, solid figure in the back room of the church. A little time later, I saw at the back of the church a tall, dark figure, but only the waist up which is really creepy because that same church that I'm just mentioned that Tammy and I were in, Mm -hmm. this was in Alton, Illinois. Right. That's one of the hauntings that they have there. And they actually captured a picture of it. And it's this figure from the waist up and that's all you can see. And it's, you know, wearing a shirt and tie and that kind of thing. Definitely a male build. And in the same area as a dark figure was seen on Easter weekend. I looked directly at him. And when I turned my torch on, he was gone. Sometime later, when Allison went looking for her car keys, I joined her on a walk around the town to try and find them. We heard footsteps several times, voices, and even a whistle as if calling a dog. I also had the feeling that there was someone walking towards us, and as if I had to move out of the way or I'd walk into them. Then sometime later again, we were all in the church. We were talking about the dark figure in the back of the church and whether it was an angry spirit or not when I started getting extremely hot and started feeling very angry toward everyone and a feeling of disdain towards them. When my partner asked me if I heard the noise behind us that everyone was talking about, I had the strong feeling that I wanted to tell them all that they were a bunch of bleeping idiots. Wow. Good grief. Yeah, I'd say a little bit angry. (laughs) Yeah, makes you wonder if something kind of jumped in on her a little bit there. She said, this is certainly not in my nature or something that I would normally feel in that sort of situation. It took leaving the church for the feeling to go away. I mean, they were asking 
if the spirit would possibly be an angry spirit or a bad spirit. And then all of a sudden she's getting those overwhelming feelings. Mm -hmm. I would say it was definitely related to that. So out of all of these buildings, I definitely would have to say, I agree that the church seems to be the most haunted location. I don't know any of the history behind that church. If something had happened there, if this is just wherever they put it on the ground. Yeah. I mean, you can't follow up on the history because they came from all different places. Yeah. Or if it's something because those tombstones were moved there. Right. Could be. Many claim that this old man-made pioneer town is the most haunted location in South Australia. Is Old Talem Town haunted? That is for you to decide. Well, it sounds like a cool place to check out. And one of the things I've heard about it is that it's really neat because even though these all came from lots of different places, they all look like they go together. And when you look at it, it looks like it was a town at some time that just has been abandoned. Right. He did a fantastic job picking the individual buildings and then how he placed them. And the way everybody describes it, they say that it shows life back in the mid 1800s, late 1800s. But there's a bunch of vehicles there that are clearly from like the 40s and stuff. Right. That's a true. Ton of, <laughs> ton of vehicles on the property, too. So I'm like, kind so, of eclectic. <laughs> yeah. When I described it, I'm like, I'm going to say it's life up through the mid 1900s, too, because right. that would be a more accurate description. When you go into the stores, they have props in it from that time. Also, I watched another video where women were going through this place. that had a bunch of books and magazines in it. And the magazines were from like the 80s and, and that kind of thing. <laughs> so for us, it was still kind of going back into a time right, capsule. Right. But it, it wasn't like going back to reading mid-1900s magazine or something. We want to encourage you guys to check out our website at historyghostbump.com. And if you want to send us some feedback, you can do that at historyghostbump at gmail.com. I wanted to share something that Jennifer DeGood had posted into the Spooktacular crew. She said, so thoughts while listening to past and present HGB episodes... Does anyone else think that the children ghosts seemingly present at all these asylums may be the spirit going back to a time they felt the most happy or safe? I've been wondering that for a while listening to episodes. I can imagine that if I was stuck in a place that I didn't like, I'd want to revert back to a time before it all went wrong. Similar to people who have experienced trauma revert back to younger selves. Interesting theory. I thought it was a great theory. Yeah. People say, you know, do you get to decide what age you are when you... You know, after you pass on to the afterlife, you know, I would hope that you're not the decrepit 90 year old who's having a hard time walking around. Exactly. Do you get to decide, you know, hey, I felt like I was in my best in my 30s or my 20s. Maybe that means that we can pick our outfits, too. Exactly. (laughs) Do we get to pick our age? Do we get to pick our outfits? And the other question is, is it fluid today? Can you change it? Yeah. yeah, Today, I think I'm going to be five year old me. And then the next day, I think I'll be 20 year old me. And then the next day, maybe I'll be 50-year-old me. That would be fun. Yeah. I mean, it's just all these questions that we have. But that's a really great point because that's something that we've really struggled with. And I think people have noticed it because we did a couple of asylums most recently. And I've always been like, what in the world are children doing here? Exactly. You do have stories. Maybe somebody got pregnant and had a baby there. And that's why you had a child there. But yeah, so I just have always wondered that because it always seems like there's kids there and the jails that we've done, there always seems to be children too. Right, now, of right. course, we have heard that they would throw children into the jails as well. Right. Of course, when they're, if their parents were incarcerated, mm-hmm. then they would keep the children there too. I couldn't believe that. I would prefer I to believe that the children ghosts, and, and maybe that's what I'll go forward with, is that they decided that, hey, you know, I was in this asylum when I was in my 20s, but I loved it when I was seven or eight. That was great times. Yeah. So I hope I've so. gone back to that. 
We also learned at like Malvern Manor, you had some people who were developmentally disabled. So it's not that they were an actual four or five. That's just where their mentality was. Exactly. So we could be getting somebody who's mentally at that level, but bodily not. But seeing an actual child ghost or spirit, maybe that's what's going on. We want to thank you guys for listening to this episode. I've been your host, Diane. And this has been Kelly. You take care now. Bye-bye. This episode has been brought to you by our executive producers. Dispatches from the Grave Digger. Want to thank Mandy O'Rourke for increasing your donation. We're going to be moving you into a garden tomb. And joining you over in the garden tombs is Jerry Sanford. And then we want to welcome back Amber Mravitz. She will be moving back into her chest tomb. Thank you so much for supporting the show. It really helps us do the production. Want to keep the spooks away? Give us a review. at the top of its head represents spiritual energy 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 what kind of an accent is that i don't know but i had no coffee so i had no energy (laughs) (laughs) and it's thought to have gotten its and it's thought and (laughs) try it again this really does have an old feel with feel an old feel an old feel (laughs) Yeehaw! (laughs) This really does have an old... I want to do it again!